This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. We have often noted on this program that it is difficult to see the picture when you're inside the frame. Thus it is we've been big advocates of travel on this program and have over the years reported on various adventures overseas because, well, you just get a different perspective. We're in an unusual position today, I think, into doing a little bit of follow-up on our last week's program of having an Australian visitor. An Australian visitor who has, in fact, been Radio Parallax's Southern Hemisphere correspondent and, in addition a regular contributor to KDBS's very own This Week in Science. So I think on today's program, we're going to follow up on our Eclipse Saga, chronicled last week about the trip up to Oregon with the purpose of visiting the center line in Madras, Oregon and witnessing nature's great spectacles out of a total solar eclipse. Joining us on that was the aforementioned Australian correspondent, whom we met while traipsing down under in the year 2012 in the beautiful city of Cairns, located in Queensland, Australia. Pamela Taylor has joined us on a regular basis over the years, and so she shall do again today and give us an Australian's perspective, I think, on the United States of America. We've noted there are probably, it's probably difficult to find two nations in some respects more similar than the U.S. of A. and Australia. We do have our differences. So to take a look at those similarities and differences, we're pleased to welcome back to the program Pamela Taylor. Welcome back, Pamela. Thank you. Good to be here. All right. The first thing that struck me, Pamela, was when you came here on day one and we went out to dinner and we went to get a doggy bag and you informed us that these are now not permitted in Australia. Please, elaborate. Yeah, I haven't been able to get a doggy bag uh, in well, in urban areas anyway since the late 90s because you might drive around all night, you know, and uh, then eat your leftovers 12 hours later and get sick. That's the logic behind this. Pretty much, yeah. Wow. You, you can still get them in, in rural areas. <laughs> wow. Okay, well, let's just mark one here for Australia being even nuttier than we are when it comes to overzealous legislation, I would say. But you can ask them for a takeaway coffee cup and put it in yourself. That's what oh, I do. I see. What about a dingo bag? <laughs> <laughs> nope. Can you take your own? Can you bring your own doggy bag to the restaurant? I'm sure you could. That's a good idea because then they're not legally responsible for what you do. Good lord. Well, you know, it's America. Pamela's supposed to be the overly litigious society. What's what's up here? You guys trying to catch up? Well, it's been interesting to note that we're actually at least as litigious as you are. Uh, but I would also put that down to possibly a universal healthcare situation where definitely the nanny state in Queensland, where they try and protect us from ourselves as much as possible. And I would put that down to healthcare being free, so they try and keep us out of the system. So this is this is the dark side of, of universal healthcare. Yes, it's terrible when we're looked after. Well, we'd have to note this is a shocking, shocking finding, but um, perhaps even equal to this is the fact that this one really surprises me. Evidently, in Australia, it is illegal to put a body part 
outside of a moving vehicle. Well, at least in Queensland, where I've done the majority of my driving, that's for sure. Yes. So technically, you're driving along. It's a hot day. Rolling down the window and laying your hand on the side of the car is flat out illegal. It looks as if you could be signaling if you're blink. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> come on. Also, you might have it torn off by a passing truck. Wait, if you're in one of the remakes of Mad Max, perhaps. A movie I still haven't seen. Wow. Well, I hate, Pamela, to expose yourself in this particular area of, of deficiency, but not only had you not seen any of the Mad Max movies, you had never tried Foster's Lager, which we need to talk about. Well, that's because I could never find it. <laughs> yes, folks, Radio Prowls is going to lit, rip the lid off the conspiracy that is alleging both to the UK and America and God knows where else that Foster's Lager is an Australian beer. I got the shock of my life. We were driving along the other day, Doug, you and I, and we passed a huge truck that said Foster's Australian for beer. I couldn't believe it. Well, yes. Well, what you couldn't believe was the fact that, well, you'd never drunk it. No, I haven't. I have since, and now I know why we don't drink it in Australia. (laughs) Well, I'd have to agree with you on that one. But based on a small amount of research, well, first of all, we did note that Wikipedia has an erroneous entry in there, which sort of hints to you, the reader, that, that Foster's is an Australian beer. Apparently, it was originated in the UK and heavily marketed via the use of everybody's favorite Australian, Mr. Paul Hogan, as the beer that you'd want to drink. It's, it's, so, it's so Australian. I understand it is like second most popular beer in the UK, which is shocking. Uh, and then they moved to America, and I guess Paul did his work here too with various commercials assuring us that this is what they drink. But they don't drink it. You couldn't find it at all, or did you ever try I did try several years ago when another U.S. friend of mine said, hey, I'm drinking Foster's, and I went, that's great, I'm drinking Guinness. So my understanding is that you can find it in Australia if you really want to search, but it's just just not. It's not a popular beer, and it's not a common beer. Nobody drinks Foster's in Australia, (laughs) period. Well, it was kind of neat that uh, your cohort, Mr. Justin Jackson of This Week in Science, uh, in passing through Davis, you guys were finally, well, not only able to meet for the first time, eyeball to eyeball, but in fact, enabled to enjoy, if maybe that's not quite the right word, a glass of Foster's between you. We did. We tried the ale and we tried the lager. They were equally bad, but the company was good, so it was fine. Yeah. I did sample some as well, which I had not done in many a year, and I would have to second your opinion that it really stinks. Now, balancing off that somewhat is the fact that Paul Hogan, doing an ad... It's as funny as ever. I mean, they're clever ads, and I guess they sell a lot of beer, and maybe we should have had, maybe we should have hired Paul Hogan to do some ads for Radio Parallax because he seems to move product awfully well. But yeah, the, the commercials are far better than the actual malt beverage. We would add uh, that you noted with some amusement that the cans sold in, in Davis were, were, were uh, imported from Texas. The can says, over 125 years ago, during the summer of 1888, the Foster brothers gave the thirsty people of Melbourne their first taste of true refreshment. Well, this may be, I think, somewhat analogous to the allegation that in 1920, the Curtis Candy Company suddenly named a candy bar after the daughter of President Grover Cleveland, and thus the Baby Ruth was not named after baseball superstar Babe Ruth, but a presidential offspring. 
uh, it would appear that, uh, that, that, that honesty in advertising just uh, is, is not really a big factor. All right, so there you have it. Foster's Lager is actually made in Texas. Australia is apparently trying to outdo America in litigiousness or, or, or nanny statism. And, uh, and let's talk about uh, something that I know you were very impressed by, the, the plethora we have in the United States of storage lockers. They are everywhere. Yes, what, they are. What are you putting in them? I well, really want to stuff, know. Stuff. People, we have too much stuff in America, and when you fill up your house with stuff, you fill up your garage with stuff, and then you go out and you get a storage locker. We have storage in Australia as well, but the idea is that it's temporary. So you move or you get rid of things and then you get it back out of storage. I really want to know, why are they building new storage lockers? I actually saw several. They're oh, no, they're, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a growth industry. We have too much stuff. Yeah, we probably ought to consider pulling out the George Carlin riff he did on people having too much stuff and moving your stuff here and there, but uh, we'll see if we have time to do that. Funny guy, sad topic. Mr. Millen has noted that uh, some homeless people store their stuff in storage containers and then go out and, I guess, live under abutments. I don't know. That's the difference. We do have homeless people in Australia, but certainly it's, it's nowhere near the problem that it seems to be here. Well, certainly a part of that might be the fact that for every Australian there is apparently 13 Americans walking around, and, uh, and that probably accounts for our, uh, our traffic, which I know pleased you so much. Oh, you guys are obsessed with traffic here. You've all got your traffic apps out. Well, we got but cars all over the road. You have to be. I understand that now, and I'm looking forward to going back to my traffic, almost traffic-free lifestyle. Well, I do envy you in that, but unfortunately, I'm stuck here in Northern California, and the traffic doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon. Sad to note. You are very good at picking the times to drive, though. Thank you. One, one does develop a certain sense of when you should be on the highway and when you should definitely not be on the highway. And fortunately, a uh, little tour we did of the Sierra was based strongly upon avoiding traffic, which we did successfully. Although it is sort of shocking to note that I don't know how you timed this so well, but you came here to the Bay Area on the day when after 150 years of record-keeping, San Francisco set its all-time high mark of 106, which, which freaks them out in San Francisco. They're just not used to that. Well, it's definitely hotter than I'm used to as well. Really? Coming from the tropics, 17 degrees south latitude, and we're, we're outdoing you. That's, that's, a sad, that's a sad thing. Well, being in the tropics, we get hot, but when it gets that hot, it rains and cools down again. It is a nice thing when... It heats up like in Costa Rica or Florida, and then it rains and cools things down. Uh, I was driving, I guess it was yesterday, through Pleasanton, and I decided to check the temperature in the car. When it said 113, I commented, wow, this thing has always been accurate up until now. It's obviously malfunctioning. And then I came to realize that it actually was not malfunctioning. It really was 113 in Pleasanton. Yeah, I thought it was pretty hot when I dangled my legs out of your car window. Yes, we did encourage you, after having found out this was illegal, we, of course, naturally encouraged you to stick, you know, feet, arms, whatever, out the window, which you did, to your credit. And speaking of tooling down the highway, uh, evidently, uh, <laughs> you, you remarked on more than one occasion that um, there were numerous biker gangs cruising by, because apparently in Australia, if you have three or more motorcycles 
operating at the same time in more or less the same place. It's considered a gang, and they go after people and harass them? They do in Queensland. Yep, that's right. You get tickets? I think they get carted off to jail, yes. No. Yes. No. Yeah, I'm not exaggerating. Carted off to jail? Yeah, not exaggerating. Wow. Well, in Croatia, I guess it was last year, we noted that there was a group of leather-clad BMW-riding people from Switzerland, about six or seven of them, uh, operating in, in, in one group. And, uh, well, I guess when they do their planning, they, they don't include Queensland in the possibilities of, of motorcycle touring, one would hope. I'm glad to amuse you guys, but it's actually it's actually my reality, so it's not really funny. It's actually pretty scary how much of a police state Queensland can be sometimes. I'm really? Carted off to jail? Yeah, they have been. If they if they resist the police telling them that they what, have to mouth disperse. off, say we're there's there's five of us and we're sticking together to hell with you. That's right. Crikey. Yeah, no one says crikey anymore. Aww. Well, in that case, Radio Parallax is bringing it back. And in addressing the issue of uh, Australia and America, similarities, differences, it, I have to say that we're, we're both speaking English, but y- you guys have put some different spins on it. Well, we managed to communicate in the end, but I did have to elaborate on some of the There were several times I, I had to go, huh? Like, uh, pokies. What, what the hell was it again? Well, pokies are poker machines, but you call them slot, slot machines. Slot machines. That's a pokey. And uh, you said pavo at one point. I drew a blank. Uh, what is a pavo? Well, you were, you were watching a video on YouTube where they were talking about Australian slang, and I was trying to beat the guy to the punch so that which you, you knew, did. which I did, so that you knew that it was real. And you exclaimed when he said "poverty-stricken citizen," I said "pavo," and you went, "Oh my God, it's real!" I had to say, "You don't you don't really say that, do you?" But yes, we do. Yeah, there you go. But we don't say "crikey." Well, I think I mentioned this program some years ago. How the Tony Wheeler Guide to Australia many years back did include a glossary of Australian terms, which I don't think we actually did go through, did we? No, I think it needs updating. They're still saying fair dinkum. No one says that yeah, anymore. Yeah, no, we, 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 yes, we, we learned that some years ago from um, Peter Donahue, who did educate us about that. When we asked him, what would you say if someone said fair dinkum? He said, I'd say they just got out of prison because they must have been isolated for about the past 15 years. Probably for riding a motorcycle. Possibly for riding a motorcycle. At one point, you did call my daughter, who is a redhead, red. And I said, well, no, in Australia, we call redheads blue. Naturally, you would. Of course you would. And I don't know why. (laughs) Yes, I'm pulling out my Australia travel survival kit from many years back with a lovely picture of uh, Uluru Ayers Rock on its cover. And here's the four pages of Australian slang, which which I, by and large, am, am very much in favor of, I would like to note. All right, let's start with the A's, and here's one that may require some explanation. Apparently in Australia they say, Avergo your mug. Can you please that, explain that one? Sure. Well, it means to have a go at something, uh, try something new, and mug is, is pas- perhaps referring to someone who is reluctant to try something new. So you're saying, Avergo your mug. It says here that it's, it's a rallying cry, especially at cricket matches. Oh, I don't watch a lot of cricket. Okay, I but you do comment. say "avergo your mug." Oh, we do. Okay. That's real. You haven't said it yet once on this on this, your visit to America. No. I'm very disappointed. Well, here's one I'm, I I quite like in the bees: a bludger, described as a lazy person. That's right. Yep, we one, use that. One who won't work. Usually a doll bludger, and the doll is the welfare system. A doll bludger. Yeah, one who's actually actively avoiding work. I see. Not someone who's genuinely on welfare. See, now contrary to what we just said about blue, uh, this describes bluey as swag. Maybe that's a bluey, and I can't say I've ever heard that. You've never heard the term bluey? Not as a swag, no. 
But I have two redheaded brothers who are older than me, so I heard blue my whole life, and then I gave birth to a redheaded daughter, so now I get blue. And uh, for you Men at Work fans, uh, with the lyric that mentions chunder, I think we should. I think we need to define for Americans what to actually chunder means. Vomit, and that's a real one as well. Yeah, it means to vomit. To vomit. Uh-huh. Throw up. Where men chunder, according to the lyrics of the song. I'm not sure why they sang that. Well, but... you and me both. <laughs> All right, you don't really call trousers dax, do you? Yes, we do. Okay. Now, we did, of course, have a look at the uh, the wonderful Flight of the Concords episode where the New Zealand boys were mixing it up with an Australian, and they were making fun of the phrase flaming bloody drongo, and you're saying that drongo, I guess, technically is a worthless person? Well, they're an idiot, yes. An idiot? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But this is now falling out of favor? It's old-fashioned. Yeah. Okay. How about, how about galah? A galah, yeah, that's another idiot. And no, that's still fairly common. Okay. Technically, it means a noisy parrot. It's a parrot. Well, it's actually a real bird. Yeah, right. it's, a, it's a pink bird. So but if you're if... squawking like, an, like a mindless parrot, you're a galah. That's right. All right. Here's what we may need to clarify. Is it really good on you or is it good on you? Good on ya. Okay. Good on ya. Good on ya. Which is basically well done. Well. Or a lot of other depends, things. It depends on the inflection. So if you're saying, oh, good on ya. That means you're actually being sarcastic and someone's been bragging about something good and you don't think it's very good. However, if you say, oh, good on ya, that means you're actually genuinely congratulating them. Well, there you go. How about a hoon? A hooligan? Yeah, that's correct. Yep. Okay. And you can go hooning in your car. Which is to what? Be out cavorting and... Drive around, being an idiot. Yep. Okay. All right. And, and a yabo is, is, a, is another uh, another... Yeah, a yobbo. yobbo or a bogan, that's a bit like redneck to you. A yabo. A yobbo a or... Hick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, it is alleged, and according to Tony Wheeler's glossary, that a person unable to hold their drink may be referred to as a two-pot screamer. Yeah, I can't say I've ever genuinely heard anyone say that. But yes, I've, it's around. All right, well, we're going to start saying it. Okay, great. This, of course, does, the, does raise the philosophical question of whether there actually are Australians unable to hold their drink. Which is probably why I've never heard it. Okay. Now, now my understanding of, of a larrikin was basically like a, a hoodlum, but you, you say that there's more subtle than that. It's... No, a larrikin is more someone who's really funny. So you might say they're the, you know, the class clown or something. That's how we use it. All right. Well, we're updating then because this says larrikin was a bit like a lair, and they describe lair as a layabout or a ruffian. And you just have to like that phrase, layabout. Well, a layabout is a bludger. Well, it goes without saying. Here's another one I'm, I'm fond of. You guys use the term ocker for basically, uh, well, I guess that's, that's it's not a term of disfavor. That's more a basic down-to-earth, earthy sort of person. No, I don't know that one. Never heard it. Wow. Just to clarify, I've lived most of my life in Queensland and some of it in New South Wales. All right. So well, they could no be... Pamela's, no one's questioning your, your credentials as an Australian. <laughs> they could be slang from other states that I'm not familiar with. Okay. Though. And we do want to point out that Australia has, what, six states? Let me think. And two territories. And two territories. One that you thought was funny when my three-year-old was having a bit of a tantrum and I said to her, oh, you've lost the plot. You didn't know what that was. Still don't. Remind me again. <laughs> well, when someone's lost their mind, you know, a plot is, is a path or a map and she's lost the plot. So this is kind of the rough equivalent of like the elevator not going to the top floor or having like one wheel in the sand. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. It's just you're not hitting on eight. No, that's right. Another term that means basically the same thing is you're carrying on like a pork chop, and I have no idea why we say that. Well, we're going to try not to carry on like a pork chop here. Uh, you know, one that has, I think, caught on in America was a shout, buying a round of drinks. I think that's an Aussie thing that we imported and now, now used rather commonly. Oh, 
Did that start off with us? I didn't realize that. Well, maybe it's British. I don't know. At any rate, it was more common down under before it was common here, but I think, I think it's catching on. Wouldn't you say, Mr. McMillan? Well, since I've never bought anybody around to drinks or a bar, I, I guess I don't know that one. Well, next one's your shout. Crikey. Another one I think has basically seeped its way into American consciousness is to whinge. I don't think that was common a generation ago, but people now, I think, know what whinging means. I hope so. Whinging? When you're being a sook? Go on. <laughs> well, when you're sulking about something, when you're having a wail about something, you're being <laughs> a sook, S-O-O-K, or you're whinging. Uh-huh. You're, you're complaining. You're griping. Right, without good reason. Or, or as in, in the Yiddish, wonderful Yiddish expression, kvetching. Sure, we don't really have that down there, but I think so. All right, another one I, I, I am very fond of, uh, and I don't know how common this is, but uh, wowzer is a very amusing term. No, I can't say I've used that. Oh, come on. A spoil sport, a Puritan, a wowzer. Definitely never heard of that one. Well, in, on my first trip to Australia many years ago, I did hear it, so I guess it's, I guess it's falling out of favor, perhaps. Yeah, it might be a, a time thing, sure. What about a tall poppy? That one I heard too. A tall poppy is someone who uh, thinks they're better than they are. Big for their britches. That's right. Needs to be taken down a peg. That's it, yep. And uh, when I did arrive in Adelaide, I would note uh, anecdotally many years back, someone had, have you, have you had tea? I'm thinking, well, no, I haven't, I haven't had any tea. That's not what they were really asking me. They were asking me if I'd had dinner. Yeah, we, I have to modify my speech here so we get the right meals at the right time. You have breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? Yes. We have uh, brekkie. You can have lunch or dinner. They mean the same thing. And then you have tea, which is dinner. Lunch or dinner mean the same thing. Pretty much. And, and tea then, means the evening meal. Right. Or a cup of tea. A cup of tea means the evening meal? No, a cup of tea means have a cup of tea. I see. So you've got tea means dinner. If you, have you had tea? I mean, have you had dinner? If I say, have you had a cup of tea? means literally that. Have you had a cup of tea? That's right. And, of course, if, you, if, you, if you're down under and you have some good tucker, what, what is it? Well, explain to audiences what that would mean. Good food. Food is tucker. Tucker's food. Yes, indeed. And do, does anyone say ripper when they mean good? Uh, they do, but I don't. <laughs> Rather than ripper, I would say bonza. Bonza. Yeah. B-O-N-Z-A, bonza. Like ZZ Top? <laughs> As in XYZ, yeah. All right, now here's one that I never heard and I was very skeptical of at the time, and I remain skeptical of, because I don't believe anybody really ever says, don't come the raw prawn, do they? No, what do they say it means? Don't try and fool me. Okay, I can't say I've heard that one, though. All right, that one must be extinct by now. Yeah. As language, yeah. All right, how about this one? Does anybody really say... Apples, as in, she'll be apples? Yeah, they do. That's a real one. All right, and we translate... Oh, she'll be good. It'll she'll be all right. She'll be, be right, okay. mate. Yeah. She'll be right. She'll be right, mate. All right. She'll be apples. Oh, right means good. You'll be fine. All right. Yeah. And how about Bob's your uncle? Yeah, people do say that. I think it's more of a confirmation that that'll be fine as well. Is that yeah, a Britishism Bob's... or is that an Australianism? I'm not sure. I know that you guys were surprised at how often I say blimey, <laughs> and that's British. But Australia has a lot of uh, British to it. But so does, you know, so does the U.S. Well, yes, indeed. Hmm. We are two nations separated by a common language. Mm -hmm. uh, may I ask a question? Here? Yeah, you can. What is a Sheila? Well, Pamela? A Sheila is a female Australian, but mm, don't say that to anyone. Why? It's uh, out derogatory? of date now. It's derogatory now, yeah. Well, what's, what's the male equivalent of what used to be a oh. Sheila? A bloke? What is it? A, a bloke, mate? yeah. A bloke. a bloke. He's a bloke. And that's still common. You can say bloke, but Sheila's a bit derogatory. All right.
I can't get enough of these. Here's one you guys share with the Kiwis. I was out camping one time, and the guy came over to me and says, have you got a billy? I looked at him and said, a billy? <laughs> yeah, it's a kettle that you put on an open fire, a billy can. Or just a can, a tin container. A tin, you can make a tin can of billy, I guess. Yeah, but you usually make, you're usually boiling water in it for tea. A billy can. That's right. All right. Well, we should wrap these up, I guess, because we can go on. And there's just so many of them. But uh, I think we do have to close, I think, with Billabong because it's a, now a popular clothing brand. And, uh, well, explain. What's a Billabong? It's a body of water, like a lake. Yeah, I guess technically mm-hmm. it's like an oxbow. It's an oxbow dried up piece of stream or... Not necessarily dried up, no. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, not in fact, not dried up. You have water in it, but it's it's the little it's the equivalent of the stream. Mm-hmm. It's like the old bed of the stream, technically. Yeah, that's a billabong. Billabong. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's move on to other stuff here. Uh, you, of course, have the unique distinction, Pamela, of being a KDVSer on two different public affairs programs. Uh, we, of course, share you with uh, Justin Jackson, etc. At all over at This Week in Science, and. Um, I have to admit, uh, having heard about this from their last after show, this this is worthy of some commentary. Uh, well, at least one remark made on last week's program. I'm afraid we just uh, can't let pass. My understanding is that it came as a great surprise to Kirsten that uh, that I was an eclipse chaser, despite the fact that after traveling to Australia in 2012 and appearing on the program with you to talk about going down there for an eclipse, this came as news. And, of course, you did come to America from Australia to join me in Oregon, and this was still a surprise. So uh, we just have to ask the question, you you think Kirsten's hitting the sauce? No, I think she works very hard, and she's a mom, and she was just tired when she made that comment. All right, because, you know, that to me, that just sounds like someone liquored up when you say something like that. I don't know. It was surprising. I was watching the after show, which means it was probably about 10.30 p.m., and she'd already been on live for two and a half hours already. And, yes, it, it came up in conversation that I was here and that I'd already met Justin in person. Yeah. And, uh, she, yeah, Kirsten said, I didn't realize Doug was an eclipse chaser. And I went, wow. Wow. I'm also a boy. <laughs> All right. Well, person, I'm going to let it go this time. But, you know, I, you know just, just, just tell those guys. When you're time you talk to them, just, just tell them, you know, just don't make me come over there. Open up a can of whoop-ass, huh? <laughs> Just to clarify, I love you guys. But aren't they punks compared to us, though? <laughs> no, no, I love This Week in Science, and I love Radio Parallax equally. Oh, that's not what you said last night. <laughs> yes, well, anyway, we certainly look forward to collaborating with our, our colleagues over there at Twist. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, if Justin, uh, you know, if he makes it up here sometime, we'll, we'll put him back on and, and the whole gang, and we'll, we'll, talk, uh, we'll talk science. And speaking of science, we're conducting what is admittedly a rather non-scientific study of music, since you and I were uh, doing a little mini-tour of California to to kind of show you the ropes. We speculated on the percentage of songs written that are about love, romance, sex, etc., versus ones that were not. And we were sort of guessing that it was at least 50-50, but our preliminary research on Sirius Satellite Radio was yielding some surprising numbers. Right, so we listened to the 80s channel for 40 songs, and 10 were not about love, etc., 30 were, and then we switched over to the 60s channel for the rest of that trek, and we've gotten to nine songs not about love and 22 that are. Research will continue in this area, and we will talk about the results we get, but boy, that... that um that's really something, you know? I mean, most songs, and in fact, of the songs that aren't about love, romance, sex, if you added dancing to that, I think you would take in half of the songs that are not in that other category. All right, well, final thoughts on on your admittedly brief tour of the U.S. of A? 
Well, what I've seen mostly of Northern California, a bit of Oregon and a bit of Nevada, is that it's way more beautiful than I expected. I really thought it was going to be more industrialised and, you know, more capitalistic, but you you have done a, you've done a really good job of conserving the environment. <laughs> uh, I see. So you, you, you envision Northern California as Flint, Michigan. I can't comment. I haven't been there, but I did think it would be more... Consumerism down. Yeah, I did. Urban? Yes, urban. That's a good word. Okay. Polluted? But polluted, definitely. Uh-huh. But it's not. We went to, amongst other places, Tahoe, Big Trees, and Yosemite, and it's really, really beautiful. I, I do want to add, uh, just by way of closing commentary of, of my own on that, that uh, she's lying. Uh, California is a terrible place. If you want to come here and add to our traffic and smog, we just want to say... Don't do it. It's horrible here. It's horrible. It's ugly. It's terrible. Don't come. And we have earthquakes. It's 106 in San Francisco on a regular basis. Oh, Doug, stop telling furfies. Well, I, I wasn't aware that I was telling a furphy, which is what the hell again? Oh, basically a white lie. Okay. All right. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed, apparently, your, your tour of California. And, uh, well, y'all come back now, you hear? Thank you so much for having me here. By the way, I'm horrified that you actually knew what that expression is. <laughs> Yes, we have a lot of U.S. television in Australia. I'm so glad to know that the Beverly Hillbillies made it down under. All right, that was Pamela Anderson joining. Oh, I mean Pamela Taylor joining us from Kansas, Australia. Uh, You are listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett, and Pamela will no doubt be back in the future after she has uh, gotten some rest and relaxation back in her home turf.